Hi, and welcome to episode 24 of the Therapy Tales podcast with me, Don Walton, who knows who I am, sort of, um, and Jess, who's having an existential dilemma about who she's going to say she is today. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe you said that. Yeah. Okay, so I'm existential crisis Jess today. Existential. Actually, I shared a picture with you, I don't know whether you saw it from the new scientist about when a, a, how you can tell a scientist is having an existential crisis. And, and I was like, oh, they've just described Jess. <laughs> the solution was apparently to take you out to the park and give you ice cream. Would that work? That would that work. work. Okay, well there you go, see? Huh. And you scientists always on the, on the money. <laughs> um, so we're, we're still playing the sound, so we know that you liked the last podcast because that was recorded with a very advanced microphone in my therapy room on a Zoom recording. But so it's not the same. If we were sitting in your therapy room having a discussion, it's not the same as sitting in Starbucks and just It's not the same, right? So I, I prefer this way of doing it. I think this is more fun for you guys to listen to, but, you know, we appreciate there is a price to pay. Yeah, we appreciate your feedback. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, we don't care. We're not changing it. Oh, we are changing it. In fairness, you know, I'm sitting here with my microphone attached to the sleeve and you're sat there with it right in front of your face because what we've realised is Jess is quiet and I'm loud and that's not a good combination because you can't really adjust the sound accordingly. So we're trying to adjust the sound by direction of microphones, and hopefully this will get us somewhere better. There are, um, it's quite quiet in here in Starbucks today, but there are dogs. There's three that aren't ours, um, two kind of twins, who every now and again might bark. But that's okay, because this is a dog versus human podcast, so barking seems an appropriate sound effect, right? I thought you were going to say that's okay, because right behind us there's a group of deaf people signing, and yes. that counteracts the noise because they're completely silent, which yes. is lovely, <laughs> yeah. and they can't hear me. Just deaf people, I'm like, yeah, and? That's <laughs> good, silent. it's, it's great. Good. <laughs> okay. a good choice to sit next to. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but you never know who's going to that. Um, so, it's been a while since we've just done a chatty one of these, right? A chatty um, one. Yeah, a chatty one. Where we're, not, we're not allowed to slag off Starbucks, who have yet again forgotten oh, how to order. We are to slag off Starbucks. God, you know, they ran out of mango and orange refresher weeks ago. And passion fruit. And now they've run out of banana, banana the other day, and now they've run out of the passion fruit. We need fruit. to find the manager and complain to him. Yeah, because the other three, well, the other two who are local, who are all run by the same people, they have all those things in stock. These guys, they're not... Anyway. So. Are you cheating on me by going to other... Local oh, yeah, Starbucks. Yeah. Well, I want the drink that I want rather than them telling me it's out of stock. So I go to the other one when I do a drive-through. Wow. But I don't cheat on you sitting with people. Although I'll have meetings in here without you, so you know, deal with it. I've been to Starbucks way longer than you. I'm gonna have to get a therapist to get over this now. Yeah. <laughs> So we've got so many subjects that we've been talking about, um, but let's start with the trauma one because you've been doing the online. Oh my course. god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Oof! You're gonna have to um, so, so, so silence just, me today on this. Uh, yeah, I just signed up for an online course on trauma in dogs, and we've already had conversations about the concept of trauma in dogs, so it was I kind was, of interesting. Yeah, I was curious to find out their take because there there are scientists and behaviorists who are having a chat. It didn't start very well though, um, when they introduced themselves and talked about their me- mental health problems, which obviously is fine, but when they started talking about how their anxiety and the dog's anxiety run in parallel, this part of me is thinking, which came first, chicken or the egg, right? So, um, And also, we can't go, right, well, I'm anxious, my dog's anxious, therefore dogs must have trauma. Yeah, and it is, so trauma is an interesting... Um, My take's completely different, right? So um, I'm not in trauma, I'm lucky enough to never have had trauma, and I've dealt with dogs that have had bad experiences, some severe bad experiences, yeah. and they seem to have come 
Right, to the point where they look like normal dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's interesting. I don't think anybody really understands trauma yet. Um, everybody has their own different takes on it. And it's one of those words that becomes interchangeable with really upset, and really anxious, all these sort of things. So um, because it lends it more weight or gives it more validation or something, I guess it's the same as um, chronic pain, you know, to be able to have a medical diagnosis lends it more validation. It's a, it's a similar thing. So you hear It shouldn't of, stop there though, right? We should use that as a, okay, this is what we have. Now, yeah. how do we work to, to change or fix it? scaling on, on things. And I think for me, I always default to brain science when it comes down to it, because I think the brain explains the difference more than human interpretation. And so, you know, we have what I would call um, normal emotional responses that are based on our very primitive programming. So um, fight, flight, freeze are all, they all serve a purpose. They all have an intent behind them to survive an attack by a predator. So you're either going to be able to run away super fast, fight really without ignoring pain and all that sort of stuff, or hide and stay still really a long time. These are, these are all the valid emotional responses to environmental stimulus and things that happen around you. Now, yeah, we get that in the modern day there are no tigers and, you know, they're often inappropriately triggered, but um, at the end of the day, they're still appropriate responses. And they're based on your brain learning. This happened. This is a risk. I need to avoid this risk. It's a pretty simple um, scientific link. So um, we learn as we grow up what those things are, we all have our unique experiences, we learn to avoid experiences that will cause us anxiety because there's a risk in it. And that, that's, it's a functioning person. If you didn't have those rules, you can't function because that means everything's a risk. So even though the rules are a bit primitive and a bit out of place, at least they give you structure. Trauma is a different level. So trauma doesn't evoke the same level of fight, flight, freeze response. It's not usually an anxiety response. It's what's more commonly called a shutdown response. And, um, you know, I've had conversations, I had a conversation with you and I had a conversation with somebody the other day that, that was saying, you know, that, that response is when you're actually going to die and you need to go floppy so that it's not so painful and it's not so horrendous for you to die. So it, it serves no purpose for your survival it serves a purpose to make your death not so bad. And I think anybody who's experienced a trauma response can probably relate to that, you know, that total shutdown, unable to move, frozen kind of response. So the, the freeze... And then people are using it really loosely as well. So this, one of the speakers was talking about how a, a pack of dogs approached her dogs and barked at her. And she felt threatened and she jumped in a bush yeah. and she talked about that being traumatic and yeah. the dog having a traumatic time. And so what she's described is a flight response, What right? she's described as a bad experience. But it's a flight <laughs> response. If you, if you look at it in what we've just talked about with the wiring of the brain, her brain has gone, this is a risk to me. I need to take action to avoid that risk. And her action was to jump into a bush in this case. Mm -hmm. And then she's talked about how traumatic that was. And it's like, well, trauma is where you can't make sense of it. You haven't learned anything. It's too overwhelming to make sense of it. So you just go, well, it's a glitch, basically. So my problem with this is that there's a point of reasoning. Yes. So you often talk about trauma happening in young people. And the reason I'm mentioning young brains is because we assume, because science tells us, that dogs are perpetually two or three-year-old brains, right. an equivalent human, right? Yeah. Um, so if something bad happens to us at that point, we don't know anything better or, or worse to compare it to. Yes. So it's really the comparison um, as an adult that we go back in time and say, well, that wasn't right. 
well, the making sense of it. It's not even the comparison. It's like does not compute. You know, I don't know what this means. So it feels bad, but I don't know. But it wouldn't at the time, right? So at, at the, the time, time it was so just it was, an awful experience. It often is um, high, intensively emotional because your emotions developed as soon as you're born, right? So it can be intensively emotional, but you can't label those emotions or know why it's intensely emotional, or it can be confusing. Those are the two things that usually happen as a child, because confusing means you don't understand what's going on. But if you combine confusing with intensely emotional, then you have a problem. Because you can't update your database, file it, store it, work out how to avoid it or work around it. Um, but intensely emotional is risky to the body. I mean, intense emotions do damage. So what happens if you can't switch the emotions off because you can't make sense of it? but you've got emotions going damage and what happens is your brain kind of anesthetizes them so they don't cause damage so you end up numb or irrationally emotional which sounds like a really stupid thing to say but so so but it is all about making sense of it, it and you're right it's about brain development so, and if it happens as a child then there's no chance of making sense of it because your brain but if you're stuck as a child yeah so talking about the dog yeah you're stuck in the dog brain yeah and you've had a bad experience yeah and that learned behaviour is, I should avoid things that cause me pain. Yes. I think that that can be reversed by counter-conditioning. Yes. Because there's nothing else to compare it to. I don't, like, I'm trying to think of a really bad experience for a dog. Obviously, I've got um, Faith, who is, you know, pretty much one of the worst cases, coming from the Chinese meat market and starved and cold and... Um, you know, horrendously treated and so on. And then April has got um, broken hips. Who knows? You're probably thrown around or something. Do you know? So these are perhaps traumatic um, experiences that are just horrific bad experiences. But these dogs are functioning normally. They're not shut down, right? But they've taken time to to um, uh, rehabilitate their really balance. Word there is horrific, right? So um, in human terms. We can actually deal with horrific stuff really well. Well, that depends on your resilience, right? Not necessarily. So um, horrific stuff is not necessarily traumatic because you don't have to learn anything from horrific. It's obviously not going to happen again. Right? So something horrific is really bad and it will take you time to get over. But the fact that it's not actually necessarily going to happen again stops it being traumatic. Trauma is about the meaning, not the scale of the event. And that's why... That would have been a better way to describe it for them, I think, um, yeah. because that, that's not how they described it. You know, they, they, and um, so one of the, the speakers had, had posted something today, which uh, was I thought was an interesting topic for us to talk about. So he, he posted um, that if you are in some really bad relationships and then you have a really good one, you can have a breakdown in the good one yes. because you realise how bad the other ones were. Yes. Yeah, but that, so that's, that's, that's the expectation versus reality thing that you yeah, were talking about. Yeah, it's a meaning thing, right? It's a kind of making sense. So this stuff. is what I meant by comparison. So we can compare yeah. like, well, hang on, that, that wasn't right. We're looking back in time. Dogs don't have no. that capability. Like, I'm pretty firm on that. Like, yeah. that, they don't have that reasoning process or that um, looking back. They just have a remembrance of that was bad. But it's equally, response, we can, yeah, to avoid it right, yeah, for yeah. survival. Um, but yeah, so um, these guys are talking about dogs that are, um, and and I don't see dogs that are in trauma 
or drugs that are in really bad shutdown cases very often, no. like one in a thousand or something. Um, really, really rare. And the ones that I have seen have come right. Yes. There's never been ones that I've gone, if we do nothing, this will come right. Or So they were saying, there's a, a big part of their conference was do nothing. Yes. We need to do nothing. Don't do something, do nothing. And for me, there's always a path, and there's always like, right, okay, this is the changes we need to make to help the dog. So one of the one of the things that sprang to mind was a recent phone call from somebody who had a dog for four months sitting in one, a corner of her house, four months. So it pees and poos in the corner, it eats in the corner, it doesn't want touched, it growls at her. And so doing nothing is what she's done. And that will continue, how, how long, perpetually? Right? Yes. How long will that, that yeah, dog yeah. sit there for? So the, the, the thing I like to talk about is if we were in a cave and we were... So the, the, the cave is the, the survival place, the yeah. shutdown place. I'm going to hide from the world because everything's really scary. Uh, a big motivating factor for coming out of the cave would be hunger. Yes. Or you would just sit there and die because you, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and that doesn't happen very often. You don't sit there and die. You tend to no, go. No, right. there's a survival counter, right? It's the survival imperative. So yeah. the survival imperative is initially to avoid the thing that causes hurt and potentially kills you. But the longer-term survival imperative says, don't die, so do the active things that Absolutely. I need to, not to die. The interesting thing for me, and we'll come back to that uh, that dog that was sitting for four months, but I took the puppies swimming this week. My mum was there. I went in with a wetsuit and took them all in my arms and they swam back to shore. And they, they actually came back out with me. Uh, a couple of them came and followed me back out again. So yep. they, they chose to do that rather than being taken in. Um, force versus choice, right? Yep. Now, bear in mind this is a breed that comes from really cold Northern American uh, waters. They, yep. throw, they throw them in ice water yeah, as yeah. puppies, and that you know that their job is to retrieve through the ice. I was watching this um, thing. Did you see it on my Facebook about how they use their dew claws to grip the ice to no, pull up? They, they roll their, their their paws and grip the ice like little ice hooks. Oh. And they, the um, gun dogs tend to have their their dew claws taken off. So this was a, a, a a bit of information about keep them on they're really important right, they're okay. really you know for survival and um, so yeah these dogs would be chucked in ice cold waters and uh, this is their job they, yeah. they love swimming right yeah, yeah. but their first experience of water like that and it was a warm day yeah and the water was really lovely um, and their first experience they came out and they were shaking yeah. I don't think it was cold I think it was adrenaline I think it was like wow this is a new experience right um, and they were sitting and sort of trembling and all the humans around me there was people that came to see and stuff wanted to cuddle them and warm them up and there was a lot of oh what a shame get them warm get them warm and I'm sitting there kind of bemused like they're perfectly fine this is just literally a new experience for them and that this is the problem, right? So this this response that we have as humans... And it's normal. We see that all the time. It's yeah. a normal response. So we saw yesterday on a walk, there was some, you know, one of the reactive dogs was getting put in its place. And one of the other people on the walk was saying, that dog's just been traumatised by that. And you and I were just looking at it. Really? Definitely no. yeah, really. normal. So, so it's that word, isn't it? And it's, so it's, it's about trauma and meaning. And I think this is why it's so interesting with dogs, because how much meaning can a dog really do with the comparison with the projecting out with all, you know, the imperative is to survive, it's instinctive. So if their condition response is, so let's say they've had the first year of their life in absolutely horrendous situation. Like there is nothing safe. Everything could mean that they died at any point in time. That, yeah, absolutely, while they're in that, that is an incredibly traumatic situation, but the imperative is still, do what I need to survive. You do what's necessary, you, you stay quiet, or you attack, or you do whatever, right? We all learn, uh, what the, so as a human, we might freeze, we might fight, we might do all sorts of things, you know? Um, it's a survival imperative. Then when the environment changes, then 
the dog doesn't know any different, so the dog has to learn that there is a different environment and that that's safe. And that takes the human coming out of the emotion state yes. and, and not feeling sorry. So why, it's surprising that dogs do so well actually, when there's so many people <laughs> that are uh, feeling sorry for everything, yeah. like walking around the planet feeling sorry for everything. Yeah. Can we not just let be? Can we not just like? So my mom thinks I'm really, really tough, right? Because I don't ever feed my dog to the point where they're not eating anymore. Like yep. If I visit her, she literally feeds them until they stop eating. Yep. It doesn't work with Labradors. They just make themselves ill, right? So, um, and and yeah, she was really upset by my my kind of like, look, they'll be fine. I'll walk and we'll get warm um, if if they are cold. I think it was literally adrenaline. Yeah, yeah, it sounds and like I, it. But the next time I take them swimming, they'll be diving in there because they're naturally water dogs. Yeah, yeah. So they'll be going, oh my god, I love this. So. But I know that, so that's my experience going. I don't have to feel sorry for them. This is just them learning this new thing. But I, yeah, I'm surprised at how dogs, how how well dogs do, regardless of human. Is that even empathy? It's 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 beyond empathy. It's, it is beyond empathy. It's like it's she it. felt their pain. She felt it wasn't pain, but she felt their. Yeah, yeah. Well, we project, so it's projection, right? So we project our own, and we do this in conversation. So we're projecting our own personal experiences into this conversation. You know, the only basis that we can have this conversation is we've both got our own personal experiences. So um, people with their dogs are projecting their personal experiences into their dog's world. So if you say shivering on a beach, then every single one of us will have an interpretation of what shivering on a beach means. And so they're going to apply because the dog can't speak and can't communicate with them. They will just project their interpretation of that situation. Now. The difficulty for you is that you understand dog behaviour well enough that you don't need to do that. You actually see what's happening with the dog. But even though they know, like my mum knows that about me. No, no, she'll she, still she doesn't. She doesn't because um, a you're her daughter, which means that she, she, me she knows more than you. <laughs> um, and b everybody, there is nobody that unconditionally accepts your word on how to do things. Sure. You know, even there me, should be done. There should be. Well, you know, even me. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of have a huge amount of trust and faith in you when I see what goes on and all sorts of things goes on on these walks. And I'm now able to stand back and go, I know Jess will work it through, and, and whatever happens. But even me, I'm not going to accept your word as absolute truth. You know, I, I have to use my brain and my experience in the factor of, of how I look at things. So, so yeah. And the less interaction you have with somebody the less they will they will trust that. So I should imagine Ashley, for example, if she'd been on the beach and the, the puppies were shivering. Even she'd back she'd, me up. Yeah. yeah, she'd back you up. Or even if she was worried, when you said that it's just adrenaline, she'd have gone, oh yeah, fair point, and she'd have just left it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's the thing. So we automatically see our dogs through our own, it's the Snapchat filter thing, right? We see our, through our own experiences. So we know anxious owner, anxious dog. Yeah. And anxious owner interprets everything the dog does as anxiety-based, <laughs> you know, and you know it's not, and you know he can change, but for the anxious owner it can't change so easily, they don't have the experience of knowing how anxiety stands down, so why would you doing something different with the dog, you're just ignoring the dog's needs there, right? Oh, just as a little um, side thought. Yes, far. I was speaking to somebody um, online, another trainer, and um, was talking how, how frustrated I am that people don't want to come along without their dogs. Um, especially when they're waiting for the puppies to be vaccinated and, and allowed out, air quotes, allowed out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm seeing air quotes for those of you that don't know because my puppies are out way before any vaccinations. Um, and she said, make it mandatory for them to come along without their dog. Don't give them a choice. I was like, oh, that's clever. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah, um, it's interesting. So, so we've talked a lot about how you get through to people, how you get people on board. And I think 
some things are structure and boundaries. It's like, okay, you say you've got a four-week pack. So you don't say just turn up whenever you want to. You say come along for four weeks because that's how long it's going to take, or six weeks if it's you if it's you having your way. Um, <laughs> just says six weeks for everything. I'm getting um, better. Yeah, yeah, you're learning. <laughs> um, I'm learning. You're teaching me. You're good. So, teacher. so, so we can do things. So it's like I know every client I see will need at least two sessions. Um, three is ideal. So I have a therapy pack that is. Buy three, you know, three for the price of two, basically, so that everybody comes for two sessions. I could just say, you know, you decide, but I know that's not right for them. So my expertise says, do it this way, because I know what's right for you, and and you have to do the same thing. Okay. But you can't. So the third week that we get into the, the blip one, we should oh. make that a t- leave your dogs at home week. Yeah, yeah, maybe the third week should be leave your dogs at home, but then they won't see the blip, and they need to see the blip because we need to learn by messing up. It's funny when you can see the future, isn't it? It is, it's really. So so just, you know, because we're talking to people who are listening, uh, we do a four-week block. First week, um, everybody experiences this kind of what I call sneak preview of a radical transformation in their dog. They see the possibility of how their dog can behave differently. Um, it's only a sneak preview because it's like one, two hours, right? I mean, that's not enough to change the pathways of the dog. So second week, they come back with the kind of, all oh, right, okay, you know, this is really interesting. Let's, do that, happen, let's, let's yeah. do that again. Let's do that again, right? And, and and then they keep working on it. By the third week, most people have a terrible third week. The dog because they expect the dog will do the same thing out and about it's with like, them. What have I done wrong? I've done all this stuff at home. And they think, that's it. You think they're that good that in two weeks you can have changed a lifetime of behaviour in a dog. <laughs> and now you're going to get consistently good dog with the occasional bad moment. Whereas actually, you get consistently bad dog, in quotes again, with the occasional good moment. But now you know what a good moment looks like and you know how to keep building on it. Fourth week, they're usually, you know, happy dogs sniffing around, chasing other dogs, doing all good happy dog behaviour, but fairly consistently we have a third week lit and we've got to the stage where we just warn people, just be ready, you know, it's... it's bring the tissues. Yeah, yeah, bring the <laughs> tissues and I'll just walk around mopping up happy. Um, Can I go back to that dog again? Yes, so in the corner, right? right? So he's living in the corner and one of my suggestions was don't feed the dog in the corner move, yes. move the food a metre away from where you've been feeding and then two metres and then three metres and then in the kitchen and wherever the hell else you want to feed it and um, I have a battle with people with this this is completely logical right? Yes. we have this battle of you're telling me not to feed the dog you're telling me to force the dog to eat where it doesn't want to eat yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? If so I you're get telling me to starve the dog. And what you're saying is they're not going to trust you, they're just phoning you. So I, I gave this woman an hour of my time on the phone. She'd spoken to several trainers who'd said, give the dog back to the rescue. And I didn't say that. I, yeah. I probably would have if she hadn't given me warning that everybody else had. I said, fine, okay, you clearly don't want to give the dog up. Do this. An hour of my time, no charge. Yeah. She then phoned Rob, thinking it was a different company. And he went into a session with her and said the exact same thing. Yeah. But she didn't want to listen. And instead of starving the dog, and, and not so starving, that sounds terrible, instead of withholding the food and, and moving it a metre away, she gave it milk instead for three days, which actually starves the dog, because the dog, of course, is getting a bit of nutrition yeah. and so still doesn't have any motivation to move. Mm. And then she'd give it up to the rescue, who called me and said, oh, my God, you told her to start the dog. <laughs> yeah. So, I can't win, I can't win. So you're not... Um, so you do this, right? You, you, you say, feed the dogs on the walk, don't feed them in the house. And... and so when we talked at the start about the K and the imperative, the survival imperative is the strongest imperative. So what's the most immediate survival need? So if your immediate survival need is an unsafe environment, then you will do anything to avoid the unsafe environment. The, after that, the, after that <laughs> you will get a stronger survival imperative, which is, is eating. And we don't need to do that, right? We can give them everything they need. 
um, and not change any parameters and then expect different result and it will it will happen in time so you know I strongly believe that you will get a little bit of change by just being with the animal because dogs tend to want to be with people anyway yeah. so there will be some change but the, the ethical question is the time it takes for you doing nothing yeah. versus the time it takes for me a week of going right dog dog think about this think about this yeah. and I get um, acute stress over short term or chronic yeah. stress over long term that is your ethical choice yeah yeah it is and if you if you, you have to take away the um, human element and say it's just a dog right we have to look at it well that's science. that's the other part of this i'm not worried for the dog no. so for the dog i'm thinking you're in the best place you could possibly be you are um i'm not going to stress about you so it's your choice to come around yeah, this yeah. thing is happening to you but outside of this situation that you because they're perceived threat isn't a real threat there's no one here that's going to kill you no and that's the bit that humans don't get that, that humans are keeping the dog because they are so concerned about the and i think that's the same thing with kids not going to school which i know is diverting to a completely different topic but there's a lot of anxious kids that you're dealing with just now that are not going to school right and and yeah. uh, there's a huge amount of people uh, hu- huge amount of data coming out now of schools the last year saying hang on we've got like um, more than 50% not going to school with yeah. kids. Like, holy hell, that's really bad. Um, so we've got this whole new thing about um, skills in the workforce and things because people are trying to encourage young people to get some. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the, the anxiety levels are really up, but then I've never met an anxious kid that doesn't have an anxious parent. So the, the parents yeah. so c- concerned either about the kid or of their own anxiety issues. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it, it's his empathy. It's that I get how too it much feels. empathy, like other other direction of yeah, and, and maybe you know having your own stuff that you haven't dealt with, um, and you know so often, especially with dogs, they are supports for us. They they don't judge us. They are unconditionally there for us. And so if you've got any sort of anxiety or low self worth or something like that, to have an animal that just doesn't expect anything of you, it's just wonderful. It's just it's just the best experience. Which is why I think so many people like dogs. Because cats don't do that for you quite as well. Cats have uh, got conditional love. Yeah, yeah. Yours I love, especially. I love my cat, but you know, yeah, I, I love her because she's got conditional love. You know, it's I like my relationships that way. <laughs> but um, so, so the last thing you want your dog to do is feel anything like you do, right? You, you, you're just like this. This creature is just special in my life, and I will not do anything to make it feel like I do. And it happens the same with kids. You know, bullied at school for the way you look, being overweight or something like that. The last thing I want is my child to be bullied for being overweight. So my child comes home and says, somebody's made fun of them. And I go, oh my God, oh my God, it's just like it was with me. And I had this terrible time. Okay. I'll put you on a diet. I'll, I'll, I'll start controlling your food and controlling what you eat. Because I don't want you ever to feel the way I felt. But they don't feel the way you felt. They're themselves. They feel their own way. And you've just made it a thing now by di- making them diet. So... I think we do the same with dogs. It's like, you know, oh, I'm really anxious. And, I'm going to jump um, in a bush. Yeah, I'm going to jump in a bush. And, you know, I don't want my dog to feel this way. It's a horrible way of feeling. And my dog felt really anxious when these dogs came towards it. And it's my job to stop my dog feeling anxious. So I will do this super anxious behavior of pulling my dog away from every other dog. This is a dog trainer saying this. It's like, you know, really, that's, you know. Quite skinny, yes. Yeah. So, so but I'm, then according to our um, last podcaster... 
um, our own dogs are not our. <laughs> John wasn't very impressed by the way it was ended. <laughs> I think you know. I think if any of you are listening to this, having listened to all of our other podcast episodes, what you'll know about us is that we love to talk stuff and we love to explore ideas. And neither of us kind of goes, "Oh no, you're wrong," and I feel really defensive. Well, we don't know what a wrong and right is. All we can do is try and use logic to figure it out. But yeah. what you, what I was thinking about what you'd said, um, or at least what we talked about after after that podcast. And you've met a lot of trainers now, and you've met a lot of trainers' dogs now, and you've seen me having dogs coming in, and um, you know the changes and the transformations. So you've probably got quite a high expectation of how dog trainers' dogs should behave. Actually, I have a high expectation about how any expert will walk the walk. For me, um, I believe I don't believe in what people say. I believe in what people do. You know, it's the Maya Angelou. People don't remember what you did, don't remember what you say, but they remember how you make them feel. You know, this is this is my way of, of living life. So I know this is really important. You know, so my child, whenever they say sorry, I say I don't really care about you saying sorry. I care about you not doing the thing in the first place. You know, it, sorry is, is nice and that's fine, but you can't just sorry over everything. You just need to change your behaviour. And they <laughs> threw that back at me the other day. I said sorry for something and they went, that's not enough. You need to act. <laughs> like, ooh. Um, but, you know, so me, me actions count. So for me, if I speak to um, an expert in any area who is going to tell me how to do something, I expect that they have an understanding of how to do that and they can demonstrate that themselves. So what we found with um, our last podcast is, you know, we're talking to a world-leading expert on aggressive dogs, and um, you know, who trains up other people to deal with aggressive dogs. He's, he's such an expert. He's moved from doing one-to-ones now. He, he trains up other trainers. He travels all over the world doing this, and we're doing a podcast with him to talk about serotonin and all these cool science things, right? And you know, so we, we talk and you talk and I talk, and then we go and go. What do you think? And it was a new concept to him, and his reaction, his default reaction, was, um, as an expert who didn't understand the question, to just give a standard answer every time, which is, well, it depends on the circumstances, it depends on the individual dog, you know, you have to start at the basics or whatever he kept saying. Um, and every time we asked something where he went, oh, I'm not really sure what the answer is, he didn't engage in a discussion, he just defaulted to a standard response. And then right at the end, you asked him, you know, do you think that a trainer should own dogs should be able to demonstrate these kind of qualities that they, they've had this work? Well, for me, it's our marketing tool, right? So if, if I agree, yeah. But he didn't, right? So he was like, well, it depends on circumstances and, and basically said it doesn't matter if you've got a really aggressive dog when you're teaching other people how to deal with aggressive dogs because there could be all sorts of unique circumstances. Which was kind of like... That's an interesting take on it, you know, and I don't think either of us particularly agreed with that. Um, but it's not uncommon when you talk to people for them to kind of go, I don't know that, I've not thought about that, and instead of kind of going, interesting, yeah, 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 they just kind of try and give an answer because they're supposed to be the expert. They're supposed to, yeah. And so it's not necessarily that I've been exposed to trainers, it's just I just have this general belief that okay. if I'm going to help you, then I should. So it's like me, you know, my therapy stuff. I share my personal stuff. I don't share my personal stuff because I want everybody to go, oh, poor you. I want to share my personal stuff because I want people to realise that you can fall into a hole and you can come out of it and, and see that that journey is how it exists, how it works and how it plays out. You don't have to be all sorted. You just 
so know it can be I'd like to look back to something you just said, and it's um, kind of a huge thing for me just now. I've been trying to figure out what it is. Like I've seen quite a few dogs do some really, well, I just swear on this, yes. really shit things. And, <laughs> and um, like you know, the the dog that went for the puppy, um, and he didn't physically hurt it but it was clearly you know distraught yeah. and he went back to go oh it's screaming I could go back and we all had to jump on it you know yeah. um, and it was just a, a big breed but a young 10 month old um, and the reaction of the owner was interesting to me mm. it wasn't a shit I'm going to put this on the lead it was a oh that was a once off and then when it happened a second time they still didn't register that that no. dog you know and I don't believe that people can see their dog in two lights no they can't it's either a good dog or a bad dog yeah so it can't be both, whereas to me all animals are savage, but all animals are capable of the other side of that too. And I think we have that with Same people, with humans. Right? I think we have that. It's like, you know, um, we could we could be getting on really well and I could see you in a situation with something and I could totally change the way I saw you because I didn't expect you to behave that way. You know, we, we have a friend who um, has always had cats back in university days, good friend of, of my other half's, and he kept his cats in his front room in his house. There was a little window at the top, and they'd all be up there. And he, all day, every day, he kept these cats shut in this room. And they were they were healthy enough in terms of they were fed and they were cleaned out. But that's and not my lives. belief. Yeah. So so we had a real problem with that because both of us are animal people, and we really didn't like the way he treated his cats. And and that kind of would always give you an edge on somebody that could treat. And it, it, I think that happens. So I think if we see our pets, we see them. We've grown with them, we've seen them and all the, and we've anthropomorphized them and we've made them little people and we love them and we forgive them, all this sort of stuff. And so when they do a dog behaviour that's very aggressive dog bad behaviour, it's not, it's just my little pet. It's almost like it didn't compute though. No, it won't compute, it it really won't. Because what, the other alternative is to see your dog as a savage, aggressive beast that is capable of killing another small dog. And that's not a dog that you're going to take home with you, is it? Sure, yeah. So... They just block it out. It's literally the brain going... Yeah, yeah. So something you said, which makes fills in a gap for me, you've just given me a puzzle piece today, is um, it's how you make people feel. Yes. Right? So I've never really cared so much about that, as you know. <laughs> which makes but me... you do. You're a weird... Weird Am I? Am I weird? You are weird. That's cool. I like being weird. You are weird. weird. You, you, you really do care. You're, you're not... You're not um, what's the right word? Unconditional, no hold barred, whatever. You, you don't just say things without any consideration for the impact it has on people. The reason that you and I are friends is because you wanted to make sure that when you speak to people, it has the impact you want it to have. Right? If you didn't care, you wouldn't have done that. You'd have just gone sodom. It's not my, my problem. That's fair. So yeah, the, the feel part I think is the the puzzle piece for people with the dogs. Yes. So it's how the dog makes them feel. Yeah. And then you forgive them for the rest. Yes. And that you don't see them as what we what we see yeah. or our trainer would yeah, see, yeah. because um, you you're almost blinded. Connection. Which I guess is what happens with women women and violence and stuff. As it well. happens all over the place. It happens in every relationship. You know, in any uh, cheating half of the half in a relationship. So do you think from a physiology perspective? And we're not going to go too much into science because I don't want to bore people. But do you think the oxytocin cancels out logic? I think it's probably drugs. I think it's probably, you know, um, there's a phrase that uh, Trevor used to teach in the training, a uh, different Trevor than the one that's been on the podcast, which was um, strong emotion makes us stupid. 
So, any um, reactive states, you've lost the logical part of your brain. So, dr drugs, physiology, and all these things. Did I tell you before, my, my uh, philosopher friend who's writing this book, trying to disprove special rel relativity, okay. um, he's like super clever. Remember the guy I always oh. ask questions to? And he, he's got a dog and he's um, super into quantum physics and stuff. Um, he's an older man and I said to him, can I ask you a random question? I've never met him, I've never seen his face, I don't even know his real name, right? We just chat on things sometimes on the messenger. I said, um, can I ask when you last had sex? And he, he was like, no question is weird to him either. Yeah. Um, and he was like, oh, it's been a decade or so, why'd you ask? I said, um, because I believe that that probably gets in the way from, of thinking um, and it would stop, you know, and he said, I probably agree with you, yeah. you know, that the, that uh, goes out the window and you need to completely focus to do a job like he's doing. Or it's not even a job, it's become more of a calling for him. There was a time, I, I don't know if it's still true, but like footballers and stuff were told not to have sex before. Really? Matches, wow. Yeah. I mean, the, the physiological, the base human stuff, gets in the way if you want to do the logical thinking stuff. So do I have to tell people don't have sex two days before coming to my... Yeah, that'll be... You should do that. <laughs> everybody vote. should just do that for everybody who's coming to this. Uh. That'll be really interesting. But, the, you know, the, the, we believe as humans we're logical beasts and we're not. That's the problem, right? So we have logical times and we have logical capabilities, but There must be a scale really of logic thing, right? Yeah, and then without the log... Without that, you know, without the emotion, we're not human. We're not. We just barrel over people. I, I don't think I don't take the, the sort of human to be a threshold of, of competence anyway. So <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we, we're pretty much, to me, a virus on the planet. So yeah, I know. I think if we were less emotional, we might actually be doing better. Yeah, that's your existential thinking kind of thing. Ooh, I had a really good one today that's completely unrelated to anything. So I was watching this. Uh, somebody sent me, sent me this TikTok one of fish, and they were arguing about it whether it was real or not or it was a uh, um, CGI and then I was like my goodness so my thought process was what happens when the CGI becomes to the point where you can't tell the difference anymore between reality and, and, and then of course I'm like well that's what we're in now isn't it we're literally living in a some sort of a CGI situation because we're all the matrix plugged in and yeah I, I think it's, it's an interesting one I'm reading a book at the moment um... what are we being harvested for though it's not logic <laughs> harvested. Um, we are. We're being harvested. <laughs> so, so you know, um, it's an interesting. This is why I think you're a really interesting person because the. the I think dogs think we harvest toenails, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so do they do they watch intently when you take the toenails off? No, to see no, what they do with them? no. They all, they tend to go. What the hell? What the hell are you doing? Why would you do this to yeah, me? watching for what you're doing with them afterwards, right? Uh, there's too much reasoning going on there. Well, you started with a reasoning <laughs> thing. I'm just going with the flow on it. So, you know, no, they just don't know why you would take their nails off. Yeah. You know, same way as when you trying to cut the kitten's nails. Like, why are you doing that? Like, I need these for scratching all your furniture and attacking things. Has no no boundaries whatsoever on what gets scratched. To be fair, I'd put up a fight if I was a cat. I mean, they're your weapons, right? Yeah, yeah. Cats well, need weapons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if cats were like proper cat size? They would be dangerous to live with, wouldn't they? Well, that's that Terry Pratchett quote is cats look like frogs, right? That nobody'd ever have them in the house. It's just like, you know, it's only because they're cute and fluffy that you don't realise what evil little bastards they are, really. So, uh, it, it has a point. More feel you for liking them. Yeah, more for me, but I love cats. I like them too. Yeah, they're great. But they should be on farms. Well, I left my cat with Rob um, yes. and I came to live in the city because um, 
That's not very fair. Yeah, I live in the countryside though, so. You do. So, um, this is probably before we go off tangent and we have to keep this. You were about to say I was really interesting. I was about to say you were really interesting, and then you. I'll take that. Then you randomly (laughs) said that you thought dogs were thought you were harvesting toenails, (laughs) and that when I said that there's no logical basis for that, you said, well, okay, you know, I was, I was just. But it's the the combination of um, your moment to moment. uh, I'm going to say very human because that's how I interpret it. Which is, you, you know, me. emotional, considerate, <laughs> and um, you think about people and where things come from. And um, on a higher level, you're really kind of um, very logical, and we shouldn't exist, and all this sort of stuff. And it's just this really interesting combination because you usually just get people who just hate the world and everything, and people who are just really good people and things like that. But you can switch between the two in a really interesting way. I still have hope. You mean? Too. Well, no, I don't mean you still have hope. That's a totally different subject. Well, no, because the reason I can switch is because there's still hope. That's why I still get up and do things we did yesterday. And we need to tell everybody. We well, were at Chamber of Commerce. We have a limited amount of time. Oh, we were at the Chamber of Commerce. It was very exciting. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're going to change the world. Yeah, we are. We're, we're working on things, you know. Jess and I are on this mission to get communication out there at all sorts of different levels. Do you know what I really hate? Like, the question yesterday, how much is it? It's like... It shouldn't be about money. We're not it looking. It always is. Everything's about money. It's the way society it's works. So annoying. Yeah, like we would do this anyway. Do you yes, know? we would. We would do it for free, but we also have a business to run, and we have Starbucks to buy, and technology to buy. Should we find a cheaper coffee shop? Okay, you can't see Dawn's face just now, yeah, yeah, but her whole life Dawn's just face. passed yeah, before her eyes. Suggested something really freaky and weird. <laughs> Like, like I'm really sorry. Do you need like a therapy that. session now? Yeah, the yeah. Next session will be Don's therapy session. <laughs> trying to get over Starbucks. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, you know that's that is the balance. And actually, that's why a lot of businesses fail. That's why a lot of businesses fail because a lot of businesses don't recognise that you have to sell yourself and you have to get out there. So if you if you go through life with a passion, right, which you have, you have a belief and a passion and the ability to back it up as well. Then for me it's wrong that more people don't get to see that. But my belief is that when you do something that you do really well that offers some value, then you are depriving people of that by not using tools available to you. So by not using social media, by not um, doing talks, by not um, and by not charging enough for your services so that people just think that you're one of these freebie people who doesn't have any value. People value what they pay for. So, yeah, you can go in schools. Yeah, we can go and do talks. You know, we're going we're gonna to do a talk for the Chamber of Commerce thing. And actually, I was thinking one of the ideas that we could do is almost like a raffle. We'll come with the puppies to your workplace or to your school. You know, people who attend this event, put your name in the hat. Five of you will get a There's one thing you've not thought about. Puppies are not going to be puppies by October. I know, I know. It's October, it's end of October. Do we need to get some more puppies? I'll find some somewhere. Yeah, you'll find some puppies. Um, (laughs) It's by the end of October. But, you know, we we can do these things. And and it's, for me, it's pulling on threads, right? Some threads you think are going to just unravel the whole jumper and they don't go anywhere. And other threads just, you just think that's not a valid thread and the whole jumper unravels on you. So what you and I do is we just keep pulling threads. And that's what we'll keep doing and we will need to make money from it because um, that makes it valued by the people who use our services at the end of the day. But yeah, there's all sorts of interesting stuff coming on, so like watch the space because, you know, I'm certainly not being quiet. <laughs> that's why I have a difficulty deciding who I am because I'm so many things, do you see? Yeah, so that makes sense. Okay. Everybody's so many things. No, I know, I know. I just, um, I don't like to label myself one thing. It is hard when you go into a meeting like we had yesterday and they say, right, what, what do you need from us? 
and both of us Every day. yeah both of us <laughs> have a bit of a tendency to go oh we could do this we could do that and we could do this and this would be really good and we just kind of float around all over the place and we have to recognize that i thought we did very well we, i think I we were that was very our focused first united proper meeting i mean we met with the msp but that wasn't the same sort of thing yeah but we were a bit disappointed that they didn't know things yeah so actually and that's to be honest with you loops back around to the start of this conversation about the podcast thing because you know we like guests coming on our podcast but one of the things that we learn is that other people aren't quite the same as us they can't keep up with us they can't keep up with us so either we're mental which we are okay that's it then that's That's it then or 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 we know too much I I find um, we have a, a wide variety of knowledge I think yeah I think it's a fairly unique thing to be able to think logically and practically at the same time and put your money where your mouth is as well I don't know I, whatever it's fine right <laughs> we I was well thinking we should we should talk about other topics then shouldn't we then we only know how to relate back to brains we have so many topics that we talk about yeah I know but they're all about behaviour <laughs> I know but we can put it in the queue for later because we've got so many in the queue just now we do I hope you're writing them down uh, anyway so uh, we shall end this I'm podcast signing off we're signing off um, Jess it's your job to sign off with something because we only had an hour and Dawn has to be half an hour early for everything it's, look it's nearly just ten minutes before this person that's, arrives that's, here that's terrible it's really terrible it wouldn't be the end of the world if she arrived I'm assuming it's a she it might be a they um, if they arrive and we say hey we're doing a podcast we'll end now do you see it would be fine everyone would be cool with that yeah, this is a debate. Whereas you're on the other side for turning up like 15 minutes late and going. So in some ways we're very opposite. Like for we me are. it's like uh, Tico time. You know we'll get there when we get there. And Don's like, no, we have to be early. You're gonna have to be an hour early yesterday for that I chamber of commerce. An hour early. It was quarter to one, and our meeting was at 1:30. And you said you'd get there it's half five an hour early. Away, with five the minutes away. It wasn't five minutes away. Anyway, see, this is, we are very different and, and very similar, <laughs> and that's what makes it work. Is that the right place to end our podcast on? I think so. Okay, cool. See you next Uh, time. We'll speak to you again soon.